What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Star Wars Explained. Today we have a very special guest, uh, someone who surprised me through an email, uh, just reached out, wanted to chat with everyone. So please welcome someone I think you're all going to be very familiar with, Ross Biedman, to the show. Hi, Ross. How are you doing? Hello there. I'm doing very, very well. Well, before yeah. we dive into like a Star Wars chat, uh, you are here for a reason. Uh, you're here to promote a very good cause. So uh, why don't you talk about that first and foremost? Absolutely. So in just over a week's time, I'm fighting in a charity MMA match for Make-A-Wish UK. And the reason why I chose Make-A-Wish UK is that they're affiliated a little bit with the 501st Garrison. And I know quite a few people from there. And plus, it doesn't get quite as much recognition in the UK as it does in the States. So I thought it would be the perfect charity to pick. I thought it was the natural choice, for sure. <laughs> well, you look a little older than people may have last seen you. Uh, Star Wars fans certainly would recognize you as the youngling uh, from the Jedi Council Chambers during Order 66. Uh, I'd love to talk about your experience filming Revenge of the Sith and that scene. Sure. Let's do it. So yeah. how old were you when you were on set filming Star Wars? I was six years old. So very, very young. Yeah. Now, had you been into Star Wars before that? Or was this like your introduction <laughs> to the galaxy? I like Star Wars a lot. It was one of my favorite film series alongside Lord of the Rings. Uh, back then, if someone asked me to have them head to head, I'm... I wouldn't be too sure which one would win. But they were pretty on par, to be fair. When I would like do play reenactments with my friends on the playground, it would be Star Wars themed or Lord of the Rings themed. So yeah, pretty a pretty big fan back That's then. That's sure. very much the same as me. When Lord of the Rings was coming out, we had that and the prequels. It was a great, great time to be a nerd. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And there's no shame in being a nerd either. Absolutely not. I claim that title right now. I'm going out to the Halo theme tune. In my <laughs> nice. That's, that's awesome. That's my entrance music. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've got layers. It's not just Star Wars. It's not just Lord of the Rings. You're a nerd of all kinds. Absolutely. A connoisseur. <laughs> what was your introduction into Star Wars since you since you were into it before Revenge of the Sith? It was a few old VHS tapes that my parents recorded. Um, I believe the first ones I saw was A New Hope and then Return of the Jedi and then for some reason we found uh, The Empire Strikes Back a little bit later um, see I saw the originals before I saw the prequels mm -hmm. and when the prequels came out my favourite one was Attack of the Clones without a doubt just for the arena scene alone yeah Do you have? this is a question I like to ask just about everyone that I interview but uh, my favorite Star Wars character is Biggs Darklighter, someone who's, you know, very much in the behind the scenes kind of thing. Do you have <laughs> a favorite side character, background character, someone you think that just doesn't get enough attention and deserves more? And you know what? Soar's Bandeem is a valid answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I could go with myself, although that could be quite narcissistic. <laughs> uh, my favorite side character, that's that's an interesting question. I haven't really thought about it that much. I could talk about my favorite main characters. That's Mace Window and Qui-Gon Jinn. I think Qui-Gon Jinn should have been kept on for a little bit more. I think he's a very, very interesting character in the series. Um, hmm. And it, like, I, I would say that falls under my criteria. Like, yeah, they're certainly not background characters, but you know, I usually look for just as long as it's not Anakin 
Padme, Obi Wan, any, any of the very, very oh, main yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah, it, it would be it would be them then. So thank goodness for that. I was gonna have to flip through <laughs> the archives in my brain. There's not much space there. Well, I think you can you can claim Qui Gon and Mace Windu, but I think you know if I had a Star Wars character, I would immediately be like, oh, they're my favorite now. So there's no shame in saying Soros Bandine. Okay, well, I'd say I'd, I'd definitely be in the top ten, um, <laughs> maybe top five for my own personal reasons. I'd put myself probably about maybe fourth. Uh, yeah. So, what was that experience like learning that you were going to be in a Star War? I didn't believe it until I turned up on set and there was everyone in their alien costumes and attire and people walking around in Jedi robes. Um, <laughs> it seemed a bit too good to be true, to be honest. Um, my mom did uh, get emailed one day, uh, and the email was a request from someone she used to work with quite a long time ago who then went on to start her own children's casting agency. And the email was quite simple. It asked if I wanted to be in Star Wars. And as a big Star Wars fan, I said, yes, of course. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But I, I never really expected it to be real or have long-lasting consequences. Uh, good, good, good consequences. No, not, not at all, not at all. Um, I took a few introduction pictures which were sent off to the agency to check that I was a lot the right look a few a few minutes of me speaking on camera as well was sent off uh to show that my voice was okay I guess um but no uh it was unreal completely <laughs> so did you know that you were gonna be delivering a line going into it or was your expectation more that you would just be kind of background for that day um I didn't know it was going to be me personally who was going to deliver the line. We were sent a line um, a week in advance um, when the filming was actually happening. We did go to the studio one time before just to do some admin. Uh, but on the second time when the filming was actually taking place, um, we were all given the line prior to that. Uh, it was expected that we were to practice it. And the only reason why I was given the line was because I wasn't making too many friends in the day. Um, I was having my head down in these coloring books and because I practiced it a lot, my parents asked me what was the line every single day, pretty much. It was drilled into me. And when the cast and director asked all of us, there's about eight to, eight to 10 kids there. When they asked us who knows the line, I was the first person to put my hand up. And then I said it immediately and they, they picked me from that, which is a, a big stroke of luck for sure. <laughs> That that's awesome. I, I was wondering if they did like takes with every kid and you just won out, but no, you're just your six year old confidence. First Got come, it. first serve, man. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, the early worm get the early worm getting the bird or the bird getting the worm. Something to do with that. Yeah, the clean is clean because it's true. Within the story, did you know that you and all the other younglings were going to be killed in that scene, or? Were you just under the impression that we're delivering a line? Uh, what were your thoughts? What was your headspace while you were filming it? Yeah, be before the scene, we were briefed that the bad guys were coming. And that was about it. Um, they, they told us to, you know, be be a bit fearful, be a bit scared. And that Anakin was coming to, to save us. That's what I remember oh. the casting director telling me. Uh, but no, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't expect a twist, which was to come. Um, yeah, I, when I, when I reach back into my memory, I, I, I remember, I, I know about 70% of what happened 
I can't be completely sure if they asked us to lay down and play dead or whether that scene was cut. I don't know, but they they certainly told us that bad guys were coming. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to just say that, no, Anakin's coming to save you because that's obviously the youngling's expectation. Uh, I, I think you've told a story before, or I, I feel like I've at least read it, that Hayden gave you like a little boo to yeah to help you in your acting. Yeah, it might. We it took a few takes. It was about four takes before we finally got it right. So in the first few takes, I kept looking down at Anakin's lightsaber when he went like that. And they said, "Don't don't look at it. Just just look at Anakin, and we'll restart." And we kept restarting. And yeah, on the last on the last take, I got it got it correct. And then after he unsheathed it, he shouted "boo," and that falling back for me, that made it properly properly natural. Um, so no, that wasn't directing on George Lucas' part. It was directing on Hayden's part, which is, I think, is quite unusual. Although a lot, there's a lot of improvisation um, in the film business. So sure. perhaps not so. It, what was it like working with Hayden? I, I imagine you didn't get to spend a ton of time with him, but I mean, he sounds like he was into the process very much and uh, was yeah willing to improvise and help out his younger yeah. stars. Yeah, he was a lovely guy. I spoke to him for about three to four minutes before the scene asked him a few questions and it was it was unreal to come come from watching stars regularly a, a few weeks to a few months before to then seeing him in the flesh um i asked him the question what's more dangerous an adult's lightsaber or a kid's lightsaber <laughs> and it turns out the adult's lightsaber is a bit more dangerous i guess yeah. it makes sense but uh, back in the day i wish that you know my my lightsaber kind of had a bit of power to it you know, <laughs> it, you know I, i'm just now realizing something you said that you saw a new hope in jedi first had you seen the empire strikes back by this point i can't remember basically I, i'm most likely yeah yeah okay so do you do you remember knowing that anakin became darth vader or was that something no. that you no it didn't it didn't go into my brain at that moment <laughs> no no, it wasn't. It wasn't part of my consciousness at all back then. That's really interesting. It, it's been great seeing like pictures of you and Hayden at uh, conventions occasionally. Just seeing that uh, reunion pop back up. But how would you say that this uh, has affected your fandom as you've gone forward, grown up, become an adult? Oh, what me meeting Hayden specifically? How was that? Oh, uh, just, uh, the whole experience of being in Star Wars. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it certainly added a string to my bow in, in my personal life. I can't say it's hurt me at all. It's uh, it's, it's certainly a next, it's certainly uh, an entertaining conversation topic. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's nice to get a little bit of fame. I can't I can't lie about that. And uh, it's not too much fame where people actually recognise you. It's just a, it's a nice little tidbit. I've I've given a metaphor that it's the equivalent of having a. Am I allowed to swear? Sure. Like a, like a shitty sports car, you know? It's still nice <laughs> to have, but it's, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right, you know? And it's it certainly helped me when it comes to raising money for for my boxing fight I had earlier on in this year. And it's been nothing but an asset to me. It's funny. I, I joke often that if I were to ever, for some reason, have a cameo in Star Wars, I would love to, like, my dream would be to just say a line, like be in the cockpit of a, starfighter say a line get blown up die 
I'm like, that would be perfect. That's my dream. And here you achieved it at the age of six years yeah. old. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my, my dream is very, very similar to that. If I were to ever get casted in any film again, I would like to be a version of a live action version of Kenny from South Park. Just here <laughs> as an extra, say something and die again and again and again in any series or, or film sequentially. I'd love to be uh, an Easter egg in that in that way. That would be pretty hysterical. And it, and it would certainly guarantee regular work, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We need one person to deliver a line and die. And that's your career. Yeah. You're that dude. Yeah. I'll be <laughs> uh, shocked with that. What what is your relationship like with Star Wars now? Have you kept up with it? Uh is it as as big of a fandom as it was when you were growing up, or are you into other things? Uh, not as much as I should. I still like Star Wars. I'd say my my feverish um, zeal for it has diminished somewhat. Um, when it comes to what Disney's produced, I've liked a lot of it. The Mandalorian's a masterpiece, and they can be a bit hit and miss here and there. That's that's sure. my personal opinion. But they've they've created some amazing stuff. I'm just getting through a soaker right now. That's that's been good. Um, but yeah, it's it's diminished a little bit. I didn't like the the sequel films, the exception of uh, the first one. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head now. That's how much is the minute. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, honestly, yeah. uh, I think a similar trajectory that uh, a lot of us is, have gone on. I went through the same kind of thing in my mid-20s where I was just like, you know, I, I just don't keep up with Star Wars as much as I did. And then a lot of people, as they keep on going, they're like, you know, I just kind of miss Star Wars and you get back into it more and more. So it's just kind of like a, a a wave of fandom. It's weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm just seeing how it's how it's going at the moment. I love the fact that Disney's releasing a lot of new stuff. They're experimenting with the, with the franchise and it's it's much better than nobody doing anything with the with the property there. Um, so it's, it's certainly we're we're in the better timeline when it comes to that, and we just got to see what what the stuff they produce in the future. I'm I feel positive about where Star Wars is going for sure. Uh, that I, I love what you're saying about just you know they're they're putting something out, and I remember in 2012 when they announced we're buying Star Wars, I was like, oh great, like we're we're gonna get more stuff. That means that there's also gonna be more stuff that I don't really like, but at least we're gonna be getting something. And then I I always think it's worth it for. Yeah, like The Mandalorian. I really loved Andor. Absolutely. I love what they're doing with the books right now. So I I would much rather get all that stuff and be like, yeah, there's some stuff I don't enjoy yeah. as much. But it's all Tell good. me more about the books. I've been meaning to get some more sci-fi reading. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm really into The High Republic right now. It, it's just kind of a whole book and comic and audio drama. It, it actually just had its kind of on-screen animation debut uh, earlier this week. So it's a couple hundred years before the Phantom Menace and all of that. And just a time where the Sith weren't around the High Republic or the Republic and the Jedi are at their height. And okay, yeah, they're, the they're dealing with something else. Yeah. Wasn't there um, a group of, what's it, what's it called? Like pro, primordial sith the first sith weren't they the four sages or something so oh yeah like all video you, yeah you st studied palpatine offices <laughs> i i think palpatine the law behind him is amazing i think he's probably one of the best fictional villains ever written when he just comes to the lengths 
which he will go to to gain power and the amount of which his evilness has spread and affected so many people i think it's hard to match that up against anything else in in fiction you are not alone there even <laughs> even alone. even sauron could only potentially do that to an entire planet or just just a continent middle earth is is a continent yeah um, it, it, like sauron and palpatine i feel like are you know drawn from the same uh cloth is that the phrase but that they're very similar in that yeah they're this evil that can keep on popping up if you're not careful but yeah palpatine with the voice and the black robes it's just so iconic that I, yeah. I feel like he's affected so many things going forward yeah and the political machinations hiding in plain sight i mean arguably it's something which is reflected in reality quite a fair bit we won't go into that too much but yeah <laughs> art imitating life and all that yeah uh, i mean yeah you are again not wrong because uh lucas was definitely drawing on real life when he created palpatine and that was that was back in the 70s <laughs> I didn't know anyone specific. Uh, about... He, he yeah. called it, he said Richard Nixon. Just. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's unfortunately a cycle that keeps on happening. Uh, Ain't that the truth? <laughs> but uh, we'll go back into something a little more fun. I, I wanted to ask you about your character's name, Soars Bandeem. What was your reaction when you first heard that name? Did you like it or. Uh, were you hoping for something else? Yeah. Um, at first, I thought it was a bit, a little bit lame as a kid because like, it's band. It sounds like Bandy, Andy Pandy. Um, it, yeah, it didn't sound quite, quite cool enough in my mind. Like hearing names, just a bit more of a, a zing to it would have been preferable. But, but now I'm, I'm, I'm happy they gave me a name at all. To be fair. I'm it, I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful for a fact because initially I wasn't credited in the in the film and that was my only my link to the fact that I actually acted there. Aside from proof that I went to the premiere and all the documentation, that's the only easily accessible proof that I, I had when I used to tell people. Um, but no, Saul's band name's a, a decent name, man. Not well, quite the same uh, as Carl Kestis. It doesn't have quite the same <laughs> ring, but you know you can't have everything in this life. It's one of those classic Star Wars. They just take the the pre-existing your, your real name, jumble up the letters, and they see what they can come up with. It, it's just yeah. their. It seems like that, their go-to when fair. they're doing a visual dictionary or something. Yeah, that that, that is the coolest part about it. It is a, a well-made anagram. You could do a lot worse with the letters in my first and last name. So, <laughs> well done, the person whoever created that. I don't know who it was someone behind the scenes that's for sure i don't think it'll be anyone that high up i, I have you ever that's... sat down and put all your letters out and be like can i make something better <laughs> never but i think if i were to try it the results won't be as good as whoever made my name that's for sure <laughs> well uh let's get back into your fundraiser i'm curious how you decided to settle on mma to raise money how did your journey into that world go it's something i've always been curious about i've i've liked martial arts for quite some time now i actually probably had more of an interest in mma before i did boxing but i think boxing is a very reliable 
and simple method of learning how to defend yourself. And it's, def it's deceptively simple because even though you have only two weapons at your disposal, there are so many combinations which you can use with each fist. There's so many different punches, angles, pivots, defensive maneuvers. That's why they call it the sweet science. It's so simple on the surface, but when you drill a bit down, it's, it's very, very, very complex. So I got into that and then... Well, I'll take a step back. How did you get into boxing? Yeah, um, I think it was the, the beginning of lockdown. I, I wanted something to do. I wanted something to keep me even fitter than I already was. I, I like to go to the gym. I like to lift weights, build muscle, that kind of thing. But it, it, boxing was more appealing to me because it's something you can practically apply more. Even though lifting weights is a skill, boxing is a skill where in more real life situations it would give me more confidence than just being big was i wasn't huge by any means but i believe people should do whatever makes them feel confident and that applied to me knowing that in most situations i could handle myself at least against someone who's kind of average ability um and yeah it's, it's a skill you can pass down to your kids if they want to take it up as well I, I love this through line of confidence for you that as a six-year-old, you, your confidence got you this role and uh, you just want to keep building confidence. Now, did you get into boxing because of this traumatic event that happened when you were six and you were like, I need to be able to defend myself against someone who's much taller? I'm sure deep down in my subconscious, whatever happened in Star Wars was embedded and that might have planted a seed to make me do that. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't explain whether that maybe want to do it directly but i'm i'm definitely sure that in primary school and in secondary school i would have been more confident um if i had boxing by my side um in in many different situations not that any serious bullying went on but i think yeah you know i think i would have just carried myself with more ease hmm. and that that certainly applies nowadays i think a lot of people who take up martial arts they will be able to reflect what i've just said when it comes to carrying themselves in normal situations yeah yeah and, and so then how did you get from boxing into mma and training for your first fight it's it's something new um it's a bigger challenge than boxing that's for sure uh even though statistically boxing is more dangerous and with mma it's much more dynamic there's more ways to finish a fight there's more skills you have to learn boxing is only one aspect of mma there's kicks there's elbows there's knees there's bjj submissions there's wrestling all different types of martial arts all bundled into one and the person who can combine them the best uh usually comes out on top so it was an even bigger challenge then boxing that's why i wanted to take it up and i also wanted to test myself in a in an arena where i wasn't quite as comfortable with boxing i already did it for about a year and a half by then on and off and the people who i was boxing against maybe had a little bit less experience it was only a few people had the same experience as me so i believe with mma um putting myself at more of a potential disadvantage against people who have experience in other combat sports coming together uh it's more of a level playing field this time. That being said, I'm still confident that I'm going to win, but it will definitely be more of a challenge and there's more things to watch out for, that's for sure. Are you bringing any Jedi sensibilities or lessons into your match as you prepare? Yeah, I, I try and stay as calm and as composed as possible. I do I do meditate. That does help. Um, it's a bit woo-woo, but I don't, really, I don't really care that much. Whatever works for, 
for you and for me meditation helps me feel calm I, That's, it's not very woo woo it's very qui-gon who you love so yeah 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 <laughs> um i just come back from a, a month ago from a vipassana retreat which is a technique uh, taught down from the buddha and preserved in burma over thousands of years for a long line of teachers and it's fully free it's all run on donations and when i tell that to people they immediately their alarm bells start ringing they think mm. oh you've been drawn into some kind of cult <laughs> And it, it can it can seem like that, but no, all all I did in the retreat was meditate 10 hours a day. You're not allowed to speak. You can speak to the, the course managers and the meditation teachers there, but it's a, it's a silent retreat. And all you do is meditate, eat, and go back to sleep. And that same technique has yeah, made me very calm in, in situations afterwards. You get taught equanimity, which is to remain balanced in mind. Uh, for example, if a pleasurable sensation was to come up in your body, you'd learn to observe it and not have craving towards it. And if an unpleasant sensation came up in your body, you'd learn to detach from that and not be averse towards it. So you always remain balanced no matter what really happens internally within you. And I think that will that will serve me well in the fight, that's for sure. When people are stressed out in the fight and they start dumping a lot of adrenaline um, and their anxiety is up, uh, that can sap their energy so much. And so much of it is mental. It's more of a mental game than a physical game. Because if you feel confident in the ring, that can almost give you a second win of energy. It's amazing what the body does uh, when it perceives it's, it's winning or losing. The, the parallels to combat sports are amazing because a lot of people, um, yeah, try and remain calm and as composed as possible, and that works for them. And if they feel themselves getting emotional, then it can be a disadvantage for them. I think that's much more on the light side end of the spectrum. But some people do gain power from focusing on their anger and from focusing on their rage inside them. And that that does a lot of favours for them in the ring and in combat sports as well. Mike Tyson is a good example of that. He talks that you talked about before he went in the ring. He was so scared of getting knocked out and he was able to use that and convert that into anger and then convert that anger into believing that he was a godlike figure, a little bit like what the Sith I view would view themselves as, that they'd have all these raw emotions and then view themselves as powerful and as the person using ego rather than having a, a sense of calm flow through them, not being attached to it. Um, but no, I think that you can see that. I, I love that, that, yeah. People. And um, but I think Mike Tyson now, he's he's detached himself from that angry mentality and he's definitely become more mature and wise. So I believe he has gone from the dark side towards the light. It's, yeah. I, I wonder if George Lucas saw like a Mike Tyson interview and he's like, fear to anger. I'm going to write that down. That's pretty good. Maybe <laughs> it's very, it's very possible. It's in the same era. I believe it sounds like you are preparing like a Jedi. I like this. Yeah, we're coming full circle. <laughs> yeah, this back is perfect. This is perfect. So uh, your fight is this coming Saturday. Uh, how can people support your fundraiser? And uh, is there a way for it, people to watch your fight? Or uh, are you going to be able to update us once it's done? Yeah, so to support my fundraiser, all you have to do is go to my Instagram at Beedman Ross. That's my last name and first name. And the link to the direct fundraising page is in the description. Uh, additionally, it's on the description of my TikTok as well. It'll and be in also, the description of this video too. 
fantastic. And I'm selling customized autographs where part of the proceeds will go to Make-A-Wish UK too. That's at www.sawsartoys.com. Uh, to actually watch my fight, um, it will be posted a few weeks after November the 18th, the date of my actual fight, to the Ultra MMA YouTube channel and to my own personal YouTube channel. Once it's uploaded to the Ultra YouTube channel, I'll take it, scrape it and upload it personally myself, no matter if I win or if I lose. Yeah. Right. Well, you can do some editing magic on it, make yourself look as awesome and cool as possible. <laughs> set some, yeah. set all of the fates behind it. Do whatever you want. Yeah, gonna do a montage beforehand. A lot of slow mo, slow mo shots. A lot of close ups. That's for sure. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> well, great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat Star Wars with us. Uh, share a bit of your personal journey, both in Star Wars and and outside. Uh, it was really interesting to talk to you. Uh, I wish you the best of luck this coming Saturday. Thank you. Yeah, really enjoyed the talk. Really enjoyed speaking about all these different subjects with you. And uh, thanks for. Thanks for wishing me well. Great. May, be with you. May the force be with you. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.